Hallelujah. All right, so we've embarked upon this study of the book of Enoch, you know, um, uh, for our visitors, you know, I uh, understand this is a little known book. Uh, you know, it is one of the books that was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. And there were several copies of it. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, that makes it more than worthy of our perusal. You know, a lot of people aren't really that familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls, but that is like the greatest find of our time. You know, it is the greatest find of our time, you know, and it, you know, answers several questions. One of them being, you know, what books did the priest view as codex? What did they, what, what did their library look like? Well, it answers that for us. And one of the books that was in that library was the book of Enoch. And so we're going through the book of Enoch, but as we go through, as always, we're aligning it with our canon, which is our measuring state. You know, um, now there's a lot of fanciful sounding things in the book of Enoch. You know, make no mistake about it, definitely is. We're gonna get into some of them today. You know, with that said, you know, a lot of this stuff, a lot of the things said can actually be found in scripture, you know, um, in our uh, our canon, you know, our scriptural canon, if you would, you know, the Bible we 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 know and love, the 66 books, you know, a lot of it can be found in there. You know, and so, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, that we'll be doing is, you know, pulling out, you know, where, you know, some of these things are, are spoken of in the canon. You know, so that's a that's enough for the intro. Um, we left off at chapter 16. So we're gonna pick it up with chapter 17. You know, so uh yeah, let's go. No, I said let's go quicker. Man plans and y'all plans out of the two, yeah, is the master planner, right? All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, yeah. All right. Let me have my first reader read Enoch 17, verses 1 and 2, please. And they took and brought me to a place which, which those who were, with, who were there were like flaming fire. And when they were when they wished away, they appeared as men. And verse 2. And they brought me into a place of darkness, into a mountain, into a mountain, the point of whose Summit reached to heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you. All right. So, <laughs> so verse one told us, you know, that they took Enoch and took him and brought him to a place, you know, um, which those who were there were like flaming fire. And when they wished, they appeared as men. So we're talking about some type of beings that can appear as fire but appear as men when they want to. Everybody right. with me? Yep. Now, like I said, there's some fanciful sounding things in the book of Enoch. But believe it or not, this is also in our canon. Consider Judges 13, 20. It says, for it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar 
that the angel of Yahuwah ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. And you see the angel of Yahuwah ascended in the flame of fire. So, you know, could he not be like one of these type of beings that Enoch saw? You know, also Enoch spoke of them bringing him into the dark, uh, the place of darkness into a mountain. You know, Yahu or Jeremiah in chapter 13, you know, speaks of some dark mountains or mountains of darkness, um, verses 15 and 16. Hear ye and give ear. Be not proud, for Yahuwah have spoken. Give glory to Yahuwah, your Elohim, because he caused darkness and before your feet, because uh, he caused darkness and before your feet stumbled upon the dark mountains. And while ye look, for light, he turned it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. So here it is. We see that there are some dark mountains that's being spoken of, you know, a place of darkness that he even turns into like the shadow of death and gross darkness. Amen. Amen. You know, so we do see, you know, some of these things actually in scripture. Let me have my next reader read Enoch 17. Verses three and four, please. And I saw the I saw the places of the luminaries and the treasuries of the stars, and of the thunder and of the uttermost depths, where were a fiery bow and arrows and their quiver and a fiery sword and all the lightnings. And they took me to the living waters and to the fire of the rest, the west which receives every setting of the sun. Hallelujah. Okay, so again, Enoch, he's in another place. He's in a place of luminaries, you know, and the treasuries of the stars and other thunder and the utmost depths. And then he speaks of, he says, there was a fiery bow and arrows there. And he spoke of a fiery sword, you know, and all the lightnings. Now, when I first read this, you know, just skimming past it, you know, I kind of, I pretty much thought like, you know, the fiery arrows was just symbolism for lightning. But then he threw me for a loop when he said, and all the lightnings. And I was like, okay, well, maybe not. You know, um, so, you know, speaking of a fiery bow and arrows and a quiver, you know, and a fiery sword and all the lightnings, you know. But this did re uh, remind me of Ephesians 6.16, which also speaks of fiery arrows, you know, translated in the KJV as fiery darts. It says, above all, take the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts or fiery arrows of the wicked. You know, so... The wicked seem to have one of these fiery bows with arrows um, in his quiver as well, whatever they may be. Amen. Amen. You know, and uh, we've heard about a fiery sword before as well. In Genesis three twenty four, after Yah passed out the cursings, you know, upon the serpent Adam and, and Eve, it says in three twenty four. So he drove. 
out the man and placed at the east of the garden of Eden, cherubim. Cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And so we see, you know, fiery sword, you know, just like Enoch saw. You know, he saw fiery sword. So they did um, some type of, uh, you know, heavenly weaponry. Amen. You know, and then in verse four, he spoke of living waters. Well, it just so happened in Yermiyahu and elsewhere, you know, that uh, that uh, Yah says in, in chapter two, verse 13, he says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Mm -hmm. You know, and so here it is, Yah is claiming that he is the fountain of living water. Speaking yes. of speaking of hit him being the source of living waters. You know, and something that also should come to mind is Yahshua, you know, uh, where he told the woman at the well, you know, at you know, if you knew who you were speaking to, you'd ask me of these living waters so that you wouldn't have to come here and um get this water anymore. Remember that? Mm -hmm. You know. And also, uh, scripture speaks of those of us who follow Yahshua, says, you know, and out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen? Amen. You know, so, you know, yeah, even though there's some fanciful things being spoken of, a lot of this stuff is actually in the text. Amen? Amen. You know, uh, let's consider Enoch. 17, 5 through 8. My next reader, please. And they came to pass. And I came to a river of fire in which the fire flows like water and discharges itself into the great sea toward the west. And I saw all the great rivers and came to the great darkness and went into the place where no flesh walks. I saw the mountains of the darkness of, of winter, and from whence all the waters of the deep flow. I saw the, I saw the, the monks, I saw the mouth of all the rivers of the earth and the mouth of the deep. Hallelujah. Okay, so you know Enoch now, you know in his travels he says I came to a river of fire, in which the fire flows like water. Now that's would be a sight to see, would it not? You know, kind of sound like lava in a, you know, a little bit. You know, um, but consider Daniel 7:10. Daniel says a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, speaking of from the throne of Elohim. Says a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him the judgment was set in the book's world you know so hey you know we see that wherever he was many of the saints that we read about in scripture seeing many of the same things amen you know and he go it goes on to speak about you know how he saw the great rivers and you know where they started and you know how they went into great darkness so on and so forth you know uh then we're gonna uh, slide into chapter 18. Let me have our next reader read Enoch 18, 1 through 4, please. 
and I saw the treasuries of all the winds. I saw how he had furnished with them the whole creation and the firm foundations of the earth. I saw the cornerstone of the earth. I saw the four winds which bear the earth and the firmament of heaven. And I saw how the winds stretched out the vaults of heaven and had their station between heaven and earth. These are the pillars of the heaven. I saw the winds of heaven which turn and bring the circumference of the sun and all the stars to their setting. Hallelujah. Okay, so here it is. Enoch is seeing these four winds. You know, um, that's 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 uh he says that they bear the earth and the firmament of heaven. And he saw how they stretched out, they stretched out the vaults of heaven, you know, and had their stations between heaven and earth, you know, and you know, they would uh they would turn and bring the circumference of the sun and all the stars to their setting. So they're causing, you know, everything to keep moving. You know, uh, now, interesting wording that he utilizes, you know, he utilized, um, he said, he saw treasuries of all the winds, you know, so, you know, they have treasuries or they're in treasuries or some of some sort, you know, and I thought that was particular, particularly interesting because Psalms 135.7 uh, says he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. And he make of lightnings for the rain, and he bring of the wind out of his treasuries. Wow. So here it is. We see this. It's found in scripture as well. You know, um, and, you know, what about, it wasn't just winds out of his treasuries, a specific number of winds, you know, speaking about specific number four to be precise, you know, and we see our text actually speak about these four winds as well daniel 11 4 and when he shall stand up his kingdom shall be broken and shall be divided toward the four winds of heaven and not to his posterity nor according to his dominion which he ruled for his kingdom shall be plucked up even for others besides those you know and also revelation 7 1 which, which um, reads, and after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor on any tree. And so here it is, we see Enoch talking about four particular winds, and scripture also speak about four particular winds. These winds in the book of Enoch belong um, to the treasuries, and Within the text, within our, our canon, they also are found in the treasure. You know, so, so yeah, you know, um, bears, uh, bears, bears saying that you know, a lot of this stuff is actually in our canon. Yeah. Um, verses five through seven of Enoch eighteen. Our next reader, please. And I saw, hello, this on? Yes. Oh, I can't even hear it. Okay. I saw the winds on the earth carrying the clouds, and I saw the paths of the angels. I saw at the end of the earth the firmament of the heaven above, and I proceeded and saw a place which burns day and night, where there are seven mountains of magnificent stones, three towards the east and three towards the south. 
as far as those toward the east, one was a colored stone and one a pearl. One of Janthus, I don't know how to say that. And those toward the south of the red stone. Okay, so now Enoch, you know, is is uh looking at a place which burns day and night where there are seven mountains. Now, um, the only place I could uh, find speak spoke about seven mountains was in Second Ezra. You know, it says, "Fear not, thou mother of the children, for I have chosen thee, saith Yahuwah. For thy help will I send my servants Esau and Jeremy, after whose counsel I have sanctified and prepared for the twelve trees laden with diverse fruits, and as many mountains flowing with milk and honey, and seven mighty mountains." whereupon there grow roses and lilies whereby i will fill thy children with joy now i don't think these are the same seven mountains they don't you know this sounds like something um quite a bit different you know uh quite a bit different so even though they both speak about seven mountains i would not say that they're the same one one has magnificent stones and the other one has you know it grows roses and lilies so nah, I don't think that's a that's a good match, but you know, um, it does speak about seven mountains. I don't think it's the same though. So we'll just keep it moving on that one. Let me have my next reader read Enoch eighteen eight through eleven, please. But the middle one reached to the heaven like the throne of Elohim of the of blaster, and the summit of the thorn was the sapphire. And I saw a flaming fire. And behold, these mountains is a is a region, the end of the great earth. There the heavens were completed. And I saw a sea, and I saw a deep abyss with columns of heavenly fire. And among them I saw columns of fire fall, which were beyond measure, alike towards the height and towards the depth. All right, you know. So now. Enoch, you know, now he's describing these heavenly things that he's seeing, you know, and so, you know, even though we, we, you know, we probably will never get to see him, um, you know, you know, we'll have an idea of what exists. Now, man, you know, um, well, at least we won't see him in the flesh for sure, you know, uh, but it, it, it says, you know, the middle mountain is speaking of it says but the middle one reached to heaven like the throne of elohim of alabaster and the summit of the throne was sapphire so it's speak it's saying it's like the throne of elohim the throne of elohim is like unto sapphire and he says you know that there he also saw a flaming fire now this actually equates with what ezekiel saw in ezekiel 1 26 and 27 he says and above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. Hmm. There's a throne of sapphire. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above upon it. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within it. And the appearance of his loins, even upward, and from the appearance of his loins, even downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire. And it had brightness round about. Well, that sounds pretty close. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and 
uh, verse 11 of Enoch 18, he said, you know, he had moved beyond these mountains. Uh, he said, beyond those mountains is a region, the end of the great earth, and there the heavens were, were completed. He says in verse 11, I saw a deep abyss. And then he further describes it as being beyond measure. You know, and so we do have this one also in scripture in Revelation 9, 1 it says the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth and to him was given the key of the boundless pit. You know, and you know, this word pit can also be translated as abyss. You know, and so here it is. We have a deep abyss beyond measure. Amen. Amen. You know, so yeah, so we find that in scripture as well. Let me have my next reader read Enoch 18, 12 through 16. People. Uh, press the button to the turn green. And beyond the abyss, I saw a place which had no firmament above the heaven, above, no firmament of the heaven above. And no, and no firmly founded earth beneath it. There was no water upon it, and no birds. But it was a waste and a horrible place. The angel said to me, this place is the, is the end of heaven and earth. This has become a prison for the stars and the host of heaven. And the stars in the beginning of their rising, because they did not come forth at their appointed time, and he was wroth with them and found them till the time of their guilt should be consummated even for 10 even for 10,000 years yeah okay so here it is you know um Enoch 18:13 said and I saw there the seven stars um like great burning mountains and to me, when I inquired regarding her, you know, uh, so it spoke of seven stars like great burning mountains, you know, and, you know, seeing that it's talking about beyond the abyss, you know, where it's speaking about a place which had no firmament, uh, heaven above and no firmly founded earth beneath it, you know, this doesn't sound like all that great a place. You know, and he says he saw there seven stars like great burning mountains. And this just brought to mind, you know, these uh, others, these stars are, are oftentimes symbolism for angels, you know, and, you know, and it, it, it made me think about, you know, Revelation 17, 9, which says, and here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sit her. I believe these seven mountains are the same burning mountains after they get thrown into the abyss or thrown into prison, you know, um, that are equivalent to the seven stars, you know, and as we continue on in, in Enoch, you know, we won't get there today, but probably next week we'll see that this is actually a prison for them. You know, the the abyss, the bottomless pit. You know, and so yeah, we have we have the seven mountains mentioned in 
scripture as well. They're not quite burning yet until they until they reach judgment, you know, or uh, no, actually they, they probably are because they're already in the abyss, but they're going to get let loose, you know, at some point. Um, then we have Enoch 19, 1 through 3. It says, and Uriel said to me, here shall stand the angels who have connected themselves with women and their spirits assuming many different forms are defiling mankind and shall lead them astray into sacrifice into demons as gods. Here shall they stand till the day of the great judgment in which they shall be judged till they are made an end of. And the women also are the angels who sent, who went astray shall become silent. And I, Enoch, alone saw the vision, the ends of all things. No man should see as I have seen. You know, now, you know, in the um, previous weeks, you know, the story of Enoch told us about these angels that came down and got with women and had these offspring, which were giants, became giants in the earth. And they kind of bullied everybody in the earth, you know, became these, these giant tyrants that, you know, bullied everyone. And until the point to where Yah decided he was going to do away with everything. He was going to destroy everything. And the only one who found grace in his eyes was Noah. And, and so he, he spared him and his family. Right? Yes. So now, here it is. We always hear about the punishment for the angels who had done such a dastardly deed. But here we learn that there's also a punishment for the women who were involved. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so it, it kind of kind of speaks to, you know, maybe they, you know, weren't deceived. You know, they knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, it says, you know, and here shall stand the angels who have connected themselves with women, you know, speaking about the boundless pit, you know, uh, or that place that he just described, you know, um, not having any, uh, you know, firm foundation or no heaven above, you know, this terrible place that he described, you know, and he says, and their spirits assuming many different forms out of defiling mankind. So that's one thing to consider right there. You know, their spirits take on different forms. So this tells us that the angels can you know, shape shift, if you will. Mm -hmm. They can take on, you know, many different forms, you know, in which they do so in defiling mankind. Mm -hmm. And shall lead them astray into sacrifice, into demons as gods. And we talked about that when, when, um, when that took place about how the giants, you know, the stories from the native Indians and, and other, uh, you know, original peoples in, in, in different lands where, where giants were uh, claimed to have roamed, you know, where, where bones and things of that nature had been found. They tell these stories about these giants, you know, whom they used to sacrifice to. And when they got tired of feeding them, they began to eat them, right. you know, just like it says in the book of Enoch. Yeah. You know, and, you know, they were sacrificing to them as gods but they were actually demons and so you know there are many people who still do this don't think it's played out don't think that this is just you know ancient history there are still folks that do this you know 
um, you know, some of you may recall, you know, I told this testimony about a client I had, you know, and y'all just out of the ordinary, just, you know, had me share a bit of my testimony with her, you know, and she became really interested, you know, in the meaning of a number that she was seeing quite often. Long story short, you know, I told her what the number meant, you know, and, you know, her jaw kind of hit the floor. And I'm like, you okay? You know, she's like, you know, the, the number was 66 and what it represented was idol worship. And, you know, once I told her that, you know, she was just floored and, she, and I was like, you know, you all right? Did you know that, that that strike a chord or something, you know? And then she proceeded to tell me that, you know, she has an altar in her living room. Oh my goodness. And that, you know, she had been studying to be a high priestess of a particular um, cauldron, if you would. You know, and I just, now my jaw hit the floor. I'm, right. you know, now, now I'm, I'm floored, you know, I'm, I'm like, whoa, I, I wasn't expecting all that, but, you know, okay. Um, you probably shouldn't do that, you know, and so, you know, I, you know, I witnessed to her and, uh, and, and she decided that, she, you know, even though she had been, you know, actually studying for this and, you know, for like several months, you know, and she supposedly had, you know, took some type of, you know, <coughs> test and done some type of seance type stuff or whatever, you know, to become a high priestess that next week. And she decided not to go, go through with it. You know, so I know that that was just, yeah, you know, um, but point being, this stuff still goes on. Yes. People are still doing this. Yes. You know, I, I had a buddy, you know, I have a buddy that lives in, in California. He was dating a girl and he went over to mom's house, you know, and they had a package that was delivered and, you know, and they were just supposed to be running in and running out, you know. Uh, so he goes in, you know, and his, his his girlfriend go go in the back of the house and you know talking to her to her mom or whatever, and he's sitting there by the package and he said he could hear something like moving, you know, and coming from the package, you know, and so, you know, uh, you know he he said he back up, you know, like you know, like 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 what is in there, you know, and so when she come back to the front room, he like it's something it's 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 something something in that box, you know, alive, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, the young lady began to tell him, yeah, she knew, you know, um, that her mom practiced a certain religion, you know, and, you know, they do sacrifices and this, that and the other. So I'm just saying this stuff is still prevalent, you know? Yeah. Even in the 2020s, folks are still doing this sort of thing. You know, so, you know, I, you know, so don't think that this is just all ancient history. This stuff still goes on now today, you know. Um, you'd be surprised with some of the so-called prophets and prophetesses, you know, in the church where they getting their information from, saying like, you know. Uh, now, but it says that these women, you know, that partook with this, the women also are the angels who went astray, shall become sirens. Mm -hmm. You know, 
and a siren is a temptress, you know, and so, you know, I guess it becomes some type of spiritual temptress, you know, so uh, just to say, you know, I'm saying that just to say, you know, they, they didn't get off scot-free, you know, there, there was a, a penalty to be paid. All right, then we have Enoch chapter 20, verses 1 through 8. Let me have my next reader read Enoch 20, chapter 20, verses 1 through 8, please. And these are the names of the holy angels who watched. Uriel, one of the holy angels who was over the world and over Pontius. Raphael, one of the holy angels, who is over the spirit of man. Reguel, one of the holy angels who take vengeance on the world of the Illuminati, luminaries. Michael, one of the holy angels, to wit, he that is set over the best part of mankind and over chaos. Sarequel, one of the holy angels who was set over the spirits who sin in the spirit. Gabriel, one of the holy angels who was over paradise and the serpent and the cherubims. Riviel, one of the holy angels whom Elohim set over those who rise. Hallelujah. Okay, so we hear about. Uh, many of these angels, um, you know, Uriel, I believe it occurs in scripture at, at some point. We have Raphael, we have Raguel, um, we definitely, Michael's definitely in scripture, and Gabriel definitely, definitely is, you know, within, within our text. You know, that was, Gabriel was the, uh, the angel that was sent to, to Daniel, you know. Now, uh, what I want to zero in on, though, is it says that these are the names of the holy angels who watch. Now, this I, I found to be particularly interesting, you know, that these angels are angels who watch. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Question is, what are they watching? You know, and and, and even more so, you know, um, the question is. What should we be watching? Because Yahshua also would tell told us to watch. Yes. Consider Mark 13, 34 through 37. It says, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Now, this is a parable, but we know who the Son of Man is. We know that's our Messiah, Yahshua, right? It says, He's as a man taking a far journey. We know that he's 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 done took a far journey. He's, he's in the heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, right? Yeah. You know, says who left his house, speaking of here, and gave authority to his servants, talking about his ecclesia, amen. amen. And to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. He says, "Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh." He say he coming back. We all believe he's coming back, yeah. but we don't know when he's coming back, right? He says, so watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. 
He says in verse 36, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. Now you can just tell by the context of what is said that for him to find you sleeping would not be a good thing. Right. Amen. Yes. And in verse 37, he says, and what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. All right, so we have seven angels who watch. And we have a commandment from Yahshua for us to watch. So I think it's pretty important that we understand what it means to watch because we're supposed to be watching. Right. Amen? And if we don't get our watching right, then he may come suddenly and find us sleeping. And that won't be a good thing. So we need to figure this out. So what I did was I took the liberty to look up these words, watch, you know, so when he commanded the porter to watch, that word is a, a group panel, a, a group nano, nail, um, number 69 in the Strong's, it means to be sleepless. All right, so he's talking about being sleepless. He says, you know, in verse 34, and it commanded the porter to be sleepless, you know, Verse 35, watch ye therefore. This word watch, as well as the word watch in verse 37, is not a group It's actually Gregorio, number 1127, which means to keep away. All right? You know, so one means to be sleepless, and the other means to keep away. So basically synonyms. Two words, two different words meaning the same thing, right? So, Yah is trying to get a point across that he wants us to stay awake. He doesn't want us to fall, fall asleep at the wheel. We're supposed to be watching when he comes back. Amen? Amen? So, we got to make certain we keep our eyes open so that we can be watching. You know, we need to become sleepless. We got to keep awake. That's what it means to watch. Right? Okay, so... We know what it means to watch. And we know from verse 36 that if he come and find us sleeping, that won't be a good thing. Right. So now we need to figure out what does it mean for us to be sleeping? Because we know what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be watching, which means we're supposed to stay awake. Right? But what does it mean for us to be sleeping? Well, let's go to Romans 13. And we're going to read verses 8 through 14, to see if we can get some insight into this. Beginning with verse 8, it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We know that this is one of the loves that's from above. Yeah. Amen? Amen. You know, remember the lesson we did about the four loves? There's four loves. Yeah. There's two from above and two from below. Yes. We have the two from above, the love of Elohim. And the second one that's from above is to love thy neighbor as you love thyself. The two from below is the love of self and the love of this world. Amen? Yeah. You know, so this is one of the loves from above. You know, and if we were to do this, we would also be keeping the law. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. It's the fulfilling of Torah. Verse 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Watch out now. Now, now we're getting somewhere. You know, he says it's high time that we awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. You know, we all believe at some point before now, right? You know, so now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Sound like something I said, isn't it? You know, <laughs> uh, verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put ye on the Adonai Yahushua Mashiach and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know, now here it is, you know, he says that now is high time to wake out of our sleep. And then he speaks about, you know, letting us therefore cast off the works of darkness. To awake out of our sleep is to cast off the works of darkness. Mm -hmm. You know, so when Yah is telling us to watch, he's telling us to be sleepless, to stay awake. And if we are awake, we have cast off the works of darkness. As long as we have the worst of darkness prevailing over us, we are still asleep. We are called to be children of the day, not children of the night. Amen? Amen. You know, and if we're children of the day, then we shouldn't have works of darkness because the children of the night are the ones who work in the night. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. You know, so the children of the day work in the day, right? Yeah. This is why, you know, Paul says the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. You know, not in rioting and drunkenness and in chambering and wantonness and in strife and envy. These are the works of of darkness yep. you know hence he says and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof because those are the works of darkness so if we are to be watching that means we're to come out of darkness that means if we are awake we are no longer fulfilling the lust of the flesh amen, amen. and as long as you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh you still sleep yeah you know, so in order for us to watch, we need to be awake. And for us to be awake, we need to have cast off the works of darkness. Amen? Amen. As a second witness, we also have 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34. It says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Mm -hmm. Now, this word communications is not apost apostrophe, you know, uh, as we learned in, in first Peter that oftentimes when you read about communications in 
the brick kind of shower of the New Testament, you know, it's not the communications you think of, you know, as far as conversing with someone. And neither is this term, but it's not apostrophe. So it's not that one that speaks to behavior or manner of life. This word communications is homilia. Homilia, number 3657, and it speaks to companionship. So he said, be not deceived, evil companionship, corrupt good manners. Mm -hmm. If you hang out with the wicked, you'll likely do wickedly. But guess what? The flip side of the coin is true, too. If you hang out with the righteous, you'll likely do righteous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. You know, verse 34 says, awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of Elohim. I speak this to your shame. Mm -hmm. And so here it is. We see a second witness, you know, that to be awake is to be in righteousness. And not sin. So he says, awake to righteousness. So if if we're going to watch, then that means we're going to have to be awake. And if we're going to be awake, then that means we're going to have to be in righteousness. Because if we're awake and we're doing the works of darkness, then we're not actually awake. We're really spiritually asleep. And if we're spiritually asleep, we can't watch. And if Yah comes while we're not watching, we're in trouble. Anybody still with me? So we need to wake up so that we can watch. But in order to wake up, we have to cast off the works of darkness. We have to awake to righteousness and sin not. Amen? Amen. So I pray that everyone can see from these two examples that to watch is to be sleepless. That is to be awake and to be awake isn't to be privy to certain information as the world make it out to be. A lot of people use the term, well, I'm awake. You know, because they know something somebody else don't know. You know, and so they say, yeah, I'm woke. When did you wake up? You know, that's not what scripture means by being away. Rather, it is righteousness. It is loving your neighbor as you love yourself. So scripturally speaking, for you to be awakened is for you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Scripturally speaking, for you to be awake is for you to be living in righteousness. To have been done, cast off the works of darkness. Amen? Amen. So you see, if one is truly watching, they're not perusing the affairs of others. I'm going to say that again. Say it again. So you see, if one is truly watching, like Yahshua wants us to do, they're not perusing the affairs of others, but rather they're watching over themselves to make certain they don't fall asleep. That is to make sure they don't fall into sin. Hence, they're always praying to Yah to lead them not into temptation, but deliver them from evil. Say a lot. Everybody with me? That said, the seven holy angels who watched that Enoch was hanging out with were seven righteous angels who were given charge over all righteousness. And they're likely the very same seven angels that's found in the lamb that was slain. Say loud. All right. Uh, We're going to read chapter 21 of Enoch before we wrap it up. 
uh, verses one through seven says, and I proceeded to where things were chaotic. And I saw there something horrible. I saw neither a heaven above nor a firmly founded earth, but a place chaotic and horrible. And I saw seven stars of heaven bound together in it like mountains and burning with fire. Oh, I thought we weren't going to get here. This is the same place that he was, you know, but it's just giving you a little more detail about it. Um, I guess they circled around and they're on their way back. It says, then I said, for what sin are they bound and on what account have they been cast in hither? Then said Uriel, one of the holy angels who was with me and was chief over them. Uh, we just learned that Uriel is the chief of the seven angels. And said, Enoch, why doest thou ask, and why art thou eager for the truth? These are the number of the stars of heaven which have transgressed the commandment of the Adonai and are bound here till 10,000 years. The time entailed by their sins are consummated. And from thence I went to another place, which was still more horrible than the former. And I saw a horrible thing, a great fire there, which burnt and blazed, and the place was cleft as far as the abyss, being full of great descending columns of fire. Neither its extent or magnitude could I see, nor could I conjecture. Couldn't even estimate it. Couldn't even, you know, guess at how, how deep it was, you know. And then we have verses 8 through 10. Then I said, how fearful is this place and how terrible to look upon. Then Uriel answered me, one of the holy angels who was with me and said, Enoch, why hast thou such fear and affright? I answered, because of this fearful place and because of the spectacle of the pain. And he said unto me, this place is the prison of the angels, and here they will be in prison forever. These are the angels who had left their first estate that the book of Jude talks about, that have had left their first estate, and they were they are now being imprisoned in the bottomless pit. Yeah. You know, and so that's all I have for you today. I pray it was a blessing. Yeah,